Welcome to the Home Service Business Coach Podcast with your host, David Mowerman. You will learn to grow your home service business and transition from being the technician in your business to being the CEO and leading your team to success. Get a front row seat where you will get practical advice from industry experts on how you can level up your home service business. Get ready to take some notes because we're going to jump right into it here. All right, everyone, it's Dave Mormon here, home service business coach. We're honored today uh, with a special guest, uh, Misty. This is, I think Dan Sullivan calls it that, which is the one thing you really- well, When you're a great business and you say, look, I'm at 3 million of EBITDA, I want to get to 30. You got a good business, you're a hard worker, you got a good culture. I can put the money, time, and resources in to, to just compound that. And that makes sense for me, right? It's almost like one day I'll probably be in private equity but it'll be my own private equity company that I'm kind of handholding through the process. You might be missing a great CFO. You might have a crappy HR team. You might not know how to hire right. You might not have a good deal with enterprise to get the vehicles when you need. And that's where I feel like, I think there's there's very few companies I couldn't impact in a great way. I mean, I don't want to get into the $200 million EBITDA companies because they're a lot harder. There's a lot more, uh, there's a lot more going on there to unpack. I could unpack yeah. most companies in a week they would take two months and then I probably couldn't move the needle very much. So Tommy, do you think almost doing kind of what Alex Hermosi is doing with acquisition.com, like you have certain businesses hit a threshold of two, three, four million EBITDA and then Tommy's group would look to invest and blow it up 10 times, 20 times, 50 times, and then sell it. Is that kind of what you're, what you're referring to? Something similar to that? Yeah. You know, I see Alex Hermosi is more like me, but I say I've, uh, yeah, I guess, I guess, um, you know, he did it with Jim secrets and, and the gym consulting, he buys more of consulting groups. Mm-hmm. He's got a specific buy box, which is smart. My buy box is mostly home service and looking at certain KPIs and with the AI technology that we're investing in, I think it's just, it's going to be harder and harder to keep up because we're double downing every year, every month, every week in technology. And eventually there's just going to be, it's going to be very hard to compete because we've invested so much in a centralized system and the APIs and the web hooks and the AI, there's, it's just like, how do you compete? Because taking white collar principles, applying to the blue collar industries, you know, I, I've learned a lot from a lot of people. It's very rare. I meet somebody that's got the hunger, the humility and the growth mindset to compete because you know, once you get married and you have a bunch of kids and you, you, you just don't have the time. And I don't pride myself on that because I wish I had three kids running around, but I still got time. So it's going to be hard to compete when I could jump on a plane tomorrow and be there and not miss a whole lot. 100%. I want to be respectful of your time, man, but I do want to end with one last thing. I want you, I'm holding up a copy here of your book, Elevate. I've read through it. I got your copy in Nashville. Um, but Tommy, you're like this. I got a second copy on my bookshelf right beside the Bible, man. We got the Bible. We got Elevate. So I want to hear though, man, I like asking authors, why'd you write the book? I love always asking and hearing kind of the motivation. And I know we've touched on some things today, but uh, I kind of want to hear like your heart behind why you wrote Elevate and what listeners can expect digging into this one. Yeah. So I wrote the book, Home Service Millionaire. I had 12 co-authors that helped me write the book. And right after I got the bug to write, I kept a Google file and I started putting notes and shit would happen. And I'd I put it in there and circumstances and things. And I came up with this epiphany 
as who I sold the company last year, half of it. And throughout the process of these people care so much, they're my family. And they have dreams too. So I got my dreams got to be big enough that their dreams could fit inside. And it happens through through merit, through performance pay. So the book is really riddled with things about caring more, having a dream so big and being a the, the greatest visionary and putting their needs first, finding out their big why and applying that to what they could do at work. That way you never need to tell you, you know, David, you you need to do a better job. I'm going to put you on a performance improvement plan. I'm going to say, David, listen, you told me you wanted to take your dad on a fishing trip. You told me you wanted to renew your vows in Hawaii. You told me you wanted to buy a house in, in Maui, whatever. I got to wait for you to get there quicker. How bad do you want this? And then we could talk about what the training you're going to need to hit these goals quicker. As it should be a pleasant experience on a one-on-one of how we could win together rather than disciplinary action and performance improvement plans. So the book is about performance pay. Brian Davenport talks a lot about scorecards in the book. Al Levy was in there. Building a team, Jody Underhill. So I had three co-authors. And it's really about building a business where everybody wins. My vendors win. Because I ask my vendors, how do I help you win? What could I sell that's your highest profit margin? How can you train my guys to sell your highest profit margin things? My customers get to win. My internal customers get to win. The employees, I get to win. The competition wins because when we go into a market, everybody raises their prices. We all could win in business. Unlike sports where it's a win-lose, the game of business is infinite, hopefully, and we get to win and everybody around us can still win. We're so taught this, this win and lose. And so we think, man, if this guy's doing good, I must be doing bad. That's not the way business works. Yeah, it's amazing, man. And I think in... Home services, a lot of companies that do crack the code on finding success, oftentimes that success ends with the owner making, you know, three, four, five hundred thousand dollars a year and and you know, taking off and traveling the world. But their team's kind of left holding the bag, making fifty to seventy K a year. And I think it's very uh attractive what you're doing at A one creating high income earners. You said you take everyone on a trip. Is it is it Mexico you said that you guys are all going? Yeah, there's 60 of us going. Like, we believe that not everybody, it's not an ESOP where everybody just gets a little chunk. It's the highest performers, but they know what they need to do that year to hit it. It's it's, it's very subjective in goal setting. It's not, there's no, I think this is what you hit. You go on the trip. You knew about this in the beginning of the year. So I believe that the top, top, top performers in any category get an opportunity to partake in equity in these trips. Not to say we don't do great holiday parties and other things. I just went jumped out of the sky with a bunch of guys that didn't hit pinnacle, but I think it's important to have bowling and do stuff with the team all the time. We go to the park, we do all kinds of stuff, but you know, this whole concept of everybody gets to win. Most owners do. And when it comes down to it, they say, I only care about my team, but when they get the money, none of it's shared. They lie to themselves. I've seen owners over and over and over say they put themselves behind the team. But yet, when it comes to getting money, none of them do shit. They don't share. So they lie to themselves. They lie to everybody around them. When it comes down to it, the money comes in. Boom. Selfish. Yeah. I mean, over and over and over. You think they're the, they go to church every Sunday. They're a good parent. They're good to their, faithful to their wife or husband. And then all of a sudden, the money comes. They're like, these people, they do everything. They didn't get a red set. Mm. Bullshit. Mm. And it happens over and over and over again. Yeah, you Everybody see, has great intentions so the money comes. You want to see someone's value, look at their their credit card statement and look at their calendar, right? So that's that's an interesting thing you've picked up on. I guess last question, Tommy, is like, 
let's say the owners listen this far. Tommy's got a massive business. When you were little and you couldn't offer multiple six-figure salaries and trips to Mexico and all this cool shit you're doing now, what would what would you say back to younger Tommy to to I guess my question, man, is it possible to get a level talent when you're still small, like sub a million dollars? Could you bring in a rock star or just would you say you got to grow revenue to get a seat at the table? Well, can you afford Bisquick from Costco and make your people pancakes? Can you take them bowling at three bucks per game? Can you have a picnic and have a volleyball tournament or play bags? I mean, these things don't cost a lot of money. You, you you could do things that barely cost anything, but it's time and investment into the team. So I would say you create the right culture. You get the all-stars that gives you enough money to hire and pay people more. The difference is if a guy is good and it's a commission-based or performance pay, a CSR that books 40 calls, the other guys are booking 18, that CSR booking 40 should make double the pay. So you don't need as many people. You just need A-plus players. When it's small, you need the A-plus players that can still make a lot of money, but you don't need a lot of them. So I would say, rather than having a bunch of mediocrity in your company, pay people a lot of money, but it's all a percentage. The way I craft these performance pay structures is I know I'm winning when they make a lot of money. So I can rejoice and say, this guy made 300 grand because I know I did really, really great. Don't make mistakes in your performance pay where you ever have to get like agitated when somebody makes a lot of money. You made more than I did. Great, because you earn us a million dollars and do the enterprise value of the company a lot. I see a lot of mistakes made when it comes to performance pay, but you should never get upset that somebody made a ton of money, especially if it's commissions. If your commission structure is set up correctly or your performance pay, then don't get upset when somebody makes a lot of money because they're doing the work of 10. Do you think, man, keep saying last question, this is the last one, I promise. Do you think a company truly can be built with all A players, Tommy? Or do you think inherently there can be like campers and climbers, right? The climbers always want to grow, 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 buy the house, get the car. Can you have campers in your company that just say, Tommy, give me my 80 grand a year? Or do you think your culture will repel those people out the door? Well, you got to have some in your company that's enormously, when it continues to grow, but those A players are vital when it's smaller. What I would say is... uh the worst employee is a good employee. Bad employees get fired. Good employees take you straight up. Good employees just kind of skate by. They never get written up. They're just kind of floating. They're never like, I want to be number one, but I don't want to be last is what they say. So they kind of hover. And I'd be very careful by maintaining just B players. Either figure out their why and motivate them to come up or get them out quickly. It's not always possible. You might not need a warehouse guy that's like Johnny on the spot. Everything it says is perfect order. He just needs to unload the truck and make sure it gets loaded up into the inventory for the trucks. You don't need like some crazy badass in the warehouse. So you don't need this cleaning lady that could do three buildings in the time it takes one. But in certain roles, you need a badass. Your CFO, your CMO, uh, the, the culture, who's driving the culture. They need to be badasses. There's a few key players that you do not want the B squad. Yeah. So you want a great employee or you want a bad employee to show them out? For most roles, especially the higher level ones. Yeah, the, the, the highest level is they're great at leaders, they're great at communication. And the one thing that Ken Goodrich told me is if you're A-plus players, your C-suite, your VP level, and they're not spending 15 hours on themselves trying to grow, whether that's podcasts, listening to books, networking, then they're not going to make it in your company, Tommy, because you're growing so fast that when you outgrow these people, you're going to need to replace them because they didn't keep up. You gave them a fair shot to tell them. You'll invest in them. You'll get. You'll send them the seminars. You'll invest in podcasts. You'll buy them the books. So 
as long as you're upfront about it and communicate upfront and say, you need to grow with me, that you find yourself going, man, these guys are just not growing. You need to replace them. I'm sorry. They might be family. You could give them money. You can put them in a different spot on the bus, but still, you're not doing anybody a favor by keeping somebody that doesn't belong in the company. That's not a great leader that's going to grow as fast as you. You think you're you're loyal? Your loyalty will put you out of business before anything. Wow. It's amazing, brother. Well, tell us, Tommy, phenomenal stuff, man. Very motivating. We've mentioned your book. I'm going to link up where where everyone can get that. Your podcast is The Home Service Expert. Uh, where else could people uh, kind of see what you're up to, man, and, and join your journey? Yeah, so the social media on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook, official Tommy Mello, uh, Tommy Mello, without the W. And my Facebook group is Home Service Expert, uh, same as the podcast. There's 10,000 people in there. We answer questions all the time. I mean, I'm pretty easy to get a hold of. You can go on LinkedIn, Tommy Mello, you can see... And I try to help out as many people because I was once a small guy. A lot of people paid it forward to help me. So if it, anybody needs to get a hold of me, we do shop tours once a month. They're, I don't charge for them. We show them everything on how we hire our training center. They come to Phoenix. It's fun tour. It lasts a couple hours. And I'm an open book, man. I don't I don't hold a lot in. I tell everybody what I'm doing because telling people what you're going to do and then actually doing it are two different things. I tell a lot of people, they say, I'm going to do it, but they never do. 1% actually apply this stuff. And I wish everybody did, but they say, oh, yeah, they got all their notes. They're ready to go. They're like, oh, God, I can't wait to get back. And then life slaps them in the face and they go right back into their own routine. Yeah, it's amazing, Tommy. Well, thanks, brother, for uh, blessing us with your time man, and gold nuggets. We'll have uh, everything linked up in our show notes that uh, we can get uh, more people around what you're doing and uh, get them fired up to to build a successful business and also check out this sweet book, Elevate. So thank you so much for your time today, Tommy. Thanks, David. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the episode today. If you want to get even more value from David, then book your free coaching call at homeservicebusinesscoach.com.